Its opinions are cheap with Cameron at Sami. Hi, Cameron. And. Oh, Chad, I'm supposed to say my name. I didn't. I, that's I what we're doing. We're, we're doing it different this week, and I didn't prime you on it. I was just. I was it's curious. Okay. And that was a it's failed okay. experiment. Cameron, I'm feeling pretty good about a lot of things right now, partly because I've been having a little vodka, but it's been a good week. Uh,. I've been paying attention to my vocal coach. He's giving me things to try. Things are working out pretty good. I think I have a, a, I have some of it down. I'm very happy. And I kind of want to like walk you through it, but I don't know if anybody gives a shit. No, you can share. Okay. What, what do you got? So it starts off with, with, with putting things forward, right? So like, e e e, and, and getting it, getting that buzz kind of around your teeth. So it's not in your throat. So I'm getting better at that. But the whole thing was like, okay, you need to remove your voice out of there. And he was having me do these exercises, like, just whisper to me. See, you can talk without your voice because that's what a whisper is. And I was like, what if I combine whispering with all the other shit? So basically, like, <clears throat> and then E and whisper. And I go, E, E, I think it sounds pretty good. Yeah, actually, that, that sounds really good. And, that, and it doesn't hurt at all. <laughs> that was like, that's also like raw. Like you didn't, you know, you just did a live recording that wasn't post work. Mm-hmm. That's kind of neat, dude. Yeah, I'm really excited. I was like fucking around with this since I got home. And I'm like, this feels great. I've been doing it for a while. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> so uh, th- those three things, though, for the people who want to learn how to do that, those are the, the, the three ingredients. Um, I had to spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars to learn them, but I'm, I'm giving them away. <laughs> Have fun. I'm sure you get some sprinkles in, on top of those tips. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I, I could literally have not done this without basically one-on-one lessons. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with how they've they've been going. Mark's a great teacher, and, and it, it's it's been super fun. Well, that's good. I, I like that it's, um, it's producing fruit, too. Mm-hmm. That's the best part of putting work into something, is that it actually comes together. Yeah, and, uh, it's gotten me excited because obviously I have all these music projects like we want to work on something, I have my own stuff, my mom wants to do something with me, and so it's like the more confident I get in this, the more I'm going to want to work on those. Oh yeah, I haven't put like any thought or work into anything. That's okay. What? I might play around with it tomorrow since I have off. I, I wanted to ask again, like are, did we, are we dedicated on that song? Well, part of me is like, I've put a lot of work into this. The other part of me is like... We literally picked a waltz that doesn't have a static BPM, and all of the MIDI files suck, so I've had to put everything together by ear. So if we wanted to pick a different song, like something we that might be that. easier to work with, yeah, that'd be neat. Well, we can we can still brainstorm it then. Okay. I like the idea of doing that like swing version or not swing. Um, what's the word for that? I'm not sure. The, I was telling you about like a spoken word version. Oh. Like a lounge singer. Oh, yeah. Um, And it's like, I could probably just do that myself with a karaoke version, <laughs> and that would entertain myself enough. Sure. I do want to keep the uh, guitar tone we picked. I think it's a good guitar tone. It's not oh, too yeah. crazy, but it sounds like, you know, it's got that right in the middle where you can get some power out of it, but it's not going to, like, scare people. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. Um, But yeah, like, I don't know. And... We'll, we'll figure something out. Like this, this, I like most of the Steven Universe songs. I'm fine with picking any one of those. I do wonder, like, um, the one that Garnet sings first. Uh, 
what's it called? When she's beating up Jasper. Oh, um, Stronger Than You? I feel like probably everybody's done that one. Yeah, I... But also, it would, it is, like, I'm pretty sure, like, in 4.4, I'm guessing there are lots of MIDI files, because it'd be a fan favorite, and that would be easy to do. But also, you know, a deeper cut is worth pursuing. It's just a matter of, like, how layered is it? Yeah, I've been trying to listen to more music lately, and it's like, I'll find these interesting off-the-beaten-trail songs where it's like, oh, I love this, this song's so me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, would this be a better fit? Most of the time, the answer's no, but it's like, I keep thinking about other things besides Steven Universe uh, sure. show tune. As, it, as it, perfect it as that is. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to belittle that. Like that that's not a bad choice, you know. The the thing with, with picking something somewhat popular is like I said, we could find either sheet music or something to go off of and so we're not like completely recomposing something from scratch. Unless we just wanted to like steal the vocal melody and make everything else up. There's a certain level of how married do we want to be to the original. Yeah, and that also depends on the nature of the song, really. Mm-hmm. Uh I'll I got I'll keep thinking. Okay. We should, oh, we should do that Okie Dokie Boomer song. I like that song. See, you, you pick these weird, goofy things. I'm just like, what if we did, like, a real song? We we could do... The, what, what was that other one I brought up? Like, the Waffle House song? Yeah. And, and you're like, you, you groaned so hard that you, <laughs> you muted your mic and I could still hear you. <laughs> you, yeah. That was funny. You, you find, like, gems and I send them to other people, but I... We're not. We're not gonna do the Waffle House song. <laughs> I like. I like that you felt the need to put that on the record. I. I. I, I kind of did. <laughs> Speaking of songs, I sent you one before the show, and I kind of want to talk about it. Yeah. Because I think it's interesting. Um, by Skinned. Yeah, S K Y N D. For the listeners who are curious, the song is called Columbine, and it is about exactly what it says it's about. And when I, when this first was recommended to me by the YouTube algorithms, I was like, hmm, I wonder if this is in poor taste. Because there is that, like, it's an actual tragedy that happened, you're making art and profiting off of that, versus, well, the song's good, the video's good, and we use art to cope with tragedy, regardless of how old it is. And, and I feel like there's maybe a conversation there, and I'm not quite drunk enough yet, so we could maybe have it, but if we don't want to, I could continue drinking. Well, I mean... I guess. Well, do you want to address the nature of the tragedy, or do you um, want to just do you want to just dissect the music? I'm I'm highly more interested in dissecting the music. I feel like people know what Columbine was, but for those that didn't, you guys shot up a school. I can't remember what year this was. I think that was '98. It says at the yeah, beginning. Yeah. Was... Um. So I want to say one thing. No, '99. My bad. Uh, just about the nature of the subject matter. I thought they handled the situation actually very well. Mm-hmm. They present it in a way that's not like glorifying it. It feels like a horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that it's also very, it's still topical today. Oh, yeah. So they handled it all. I thought, like, this, this I, okay, I want to say one thing before I say my other one thing. Um, I personally didn't like the music video. Oh, really? Yeah, but we'll, we'll get into that when we talk about the music. Um, but there, there's an element of maybe like tryhard edginess, which usually comes with any form of edginess, where you walk that very careful line of 
trying too hard. Sure. So I kind of braced myself for that and then was very surprised that it wasn't actually cringy. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is actually well done. Um, it I think it makes you feel a little uncomfortable, at least watching it the first time. I think but so, it's, too. But it's not like total, like, well, this will shock you. Don't show this to grandma. It's not like flagging it in your, you know, in your face. It's pretty smart. So I do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I was one of the, I feel like music videos mostly have a bad track record. There's a lot of really bad ones, especially ones that are trying to be good or cool or about something and tell a story. And they just, for whatever reason, don't nail it. And I think this one does. Part of it is because you see the name and you go, oh, I know what this is about. And so you have that kind of apprehension as you begin. Because you know where it's going to go, you just don't know when. And so it plays with um with tension really well. But then it's like, it starts off, it's, it's this girl and she's having some kind of spat with maybe her boyfriend. You know, just like basically a normal high school problem. And then all of a sudden, she has a very abnormal high school problem. And, and that, that switch is I think handled really well and like the tension works so good. Like this is probably one of the most effective music videos I've seen and I feel like it is like legitimately kind of scary in ways that a lot of music videos try to be and I absolutely fail. I want to be frank here. I think it's scary in a way that horror movies will fail. Hmm. Um I think there is especially in the last 15 years there's been this weird trend where horror movies are all terrible. And they basically just bank on jump scare, and we're, we're kind of hoping you're not paying attention. But jump scare. <laughs> sure. And it's like, they tell you a jump scare is coming, that counts as suspense. So we're not a jump scare movie, we're a suspense movie, because we foreshadowed it. And it's like, that's not real suspense, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, with this... I, I like how the way it's filmed, it's it's that neat, you know, one continuous shot yeah. approach. Uh, but there's these moments where you're expecting a surprise. You're expecting the moment to happen where everyone realizes what's going on. And that pairs with the song because there's a part where they, like, describe the gun firing and they play, like, a little sound effect kind of mm-hmm. thing. And it's asynchronous to the events you're watching. So it's like listening to the music it pumps you up for something to happen and then it doesn't and it leaves you hanging mm-hmm. and this happens like two or three times where you expect it to go bad and it doesn't and you expect it to go bad and it doesn't and it's like actual suspense mm-hmm. yeah i i guess i agree with that i feel like that's a positive towards the video yeah no yeah. they no i they filmed i think the filming of it the video is very good i don't like the song Oh, you don't like the music. Okay. I don't like the music. I think the video is actually very well done. Okay. Yeah, Except for one element, but we'll get there later. We can definitely disagree on on the song, because obviously not every song is to everybody's taste. I honestly did not think I would like this song when it was recommended, and I heard it, and I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those weird, like, dark, synthy things. I'm usually not into that. Um, I don't, And I don't actually know why I like this song, but I, I for some, something about it really, like, kind of captured me, and I think it's... There's uh, enough little hooks to it, but I also think, like, its progression is kind of interesting, just as a song. Uh, I've actually listened to a lot of this artist's music after this one, and, and a lot of her music is like this. I think it's very moody in the way, like, some of the black metal I listen to is. Um, 
I think she's almost more effective at conveying mood than a lot of metal music because she doesn't have like all this noise going on and she can just like focus on a few things at once and just strip a lot of the like angry bullshit away until it's like, no, we're gonna get rid of the angry stuff and just go on like the really spooky shit. And I feel like it should be corny, and maybe it is to some people, but having listened to a lot of like, we're really scary music and be like, no, you're not, you're angry white dudes yelling at a mic and playing guitar really fast. Um this this is definitely evokes those moods a lot better than than that. And I appreciate it for that. Yeah, I think definitely it's just a matter of taste that I can't picture wanting to listen to this. Like if I if I put together a, a playlist, I mm-hmm. don't know that I would care. It's not I really don't think it's a matter of quality when I say that sure. I don't care for it. I like too. This is from a production side of things, but she has a lot of weird processing on her voice from time to time. Like I'm pretty sure when she's like doing that low whisper thing, that her voice is just like pitch shifted down, and there's stuff on it. I don't believe she's doing that as a, a vocalist. She might be, but I don't. I don't think she is. And normally, no, I, I like think that kind of stuff. Work on that, yeah. Yeah, and, and normally like that kind of stuff, I don't totally like hearing in songs, but because it's more of a synthy electronic like. In the beginning, I was like, okay, well, that sort of changes the rules here. And, and I actually really appreciate what they do. So I listened to this, and I'm like, how did they do that? Like, there's a, like a production level to this that I, I really enjoy. Just how did they get these noises? Why did they sound as good as they do? Like, what 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 wizardry behind the scenes was was cast? Oh, okay. So I'm listening to it again, and this is the thing I really don't like, is that high-pitched da-da-da-da-da oh, thing. It's very jarring. I feel like that's intentional. But I mm-hmm. also feel like it takes away from what's there. Yeah. Um. You can you can have something that's jarring, but it's striking. Like I've been listening to some music with a lot more noise and and like weird effects in it. And sometimes it's like there's a really uncomfortable sound, but it pairs with what's going on. Where I come to love it and I want to listen to it again. Mm-hmm. And with this, it's kind of like, well, that was fun. I feel like the the ratatata part, like. It, it's borderline annoying. It's literally right on that cusp for me, and I sort of fall to, like, I kind of appreciate it, but I could easily see you going the other way and be like, I wish you wouldn't do this if, if this wasn't here and it was just kind of that drop noise that was going on. Um, it would be better. Like, like Yeah. You're, you're really walking, like, a, a razor-thin line with that. I think the other thing, since we're on that, um, it ends with the weird, like, clown dress-up. Mm-hmm. And... Compared to how the rest of it is filmed, I feel like that's a misfire. Okay. I thought that too when I first saw this. I was like, what the fuck is this? Who is this person? Uh, She does that. She plays that character in all of her music videos, and so it's sort of like her thing. Okay. So when you have some context to it, like, because all of her songs are about, like, tragedies and serial killers and mass murders, stuff like that, which is a little tryhardy, but I feel like she puts in the work to make them, to make it look like she's a. you know, she cares, right? She wants to tell the story in an authentic way. Yeah, and, and it's, so a, it's presents... a very, it's a valid um, thing to be fascinated with and want to share stories about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she presents herself almost as like this character that is watching it or maybe manipulating it. Like it's kind of hard to tell if she's some kind of like evil specter or just like because because the word like skinned is a is is like a an actual like monster in some kind of folklore. And so I think she's playing this kind of monster and either manipulating the, the tragedies around her or at least, like, archiving them. 
And so that is, that's her character. And so when you go, when you know that, I feel like it works a little better because she's got like a half a dozen other videos beforehand, so you'd expect it. But yeah, going in, I'm just like, this is weird. Why, who's this like Harley Quinn, right? Like it, it doesn't make any sense if this is your first video. So I found this funny because I didn't know that about the band. Um, and my first read when I saw the dumb clown outfit was, oh, this is like the bard jester that's telling the story. Mm. And I kind of assumed this about her. <laughs> oh, really? So it's interesting that I, I guess they did nail it. It's mm-hmm. just that with, with a music video, um, if, if the intent is to tell a series of stories that go together and you watch them all and you go, okay, that's a skinned video and that's the signature, I, I can acknowledge and appreciate that. But again, they did such a good job filming the rest of it in a way that feels real and scary that having this, you know, try hard uh, chaos agent, it's like it's one hair away from the Joker explaining how this is how we live in society. That That's actually a really good way to put it. So I just I have a thing with clowns where I get super picky about clowns. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I want to I want to classify the edgy Harley Quinn as the thing that always turns me off. Um, there's like, you know, you play an Assassin's Creed character and then there's a, here's the, here's the Harley Quinn guy. He wears the mask and acts jolly, but he's sinister. And it's like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an army in 40k where they're all like space elves, but there's like a Harley Quinn faction where like they dance and revel in the delight of bloodshed and it's all bright and colorful as a juxtaposition to the chaos of the world. And that's what they pay tribute to. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't like that one. Yeah. Um, I like, I like traditional, like, uh, thespian clowns. Okay. And I like, uh, scarily lazy clowns. <laughs> um, now do you have a mental image of what I mean there? I want to say Pennywise. Uh, no, I would say Pennywise is like a ghost clown. Where he had he 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 looks fully clown from head to toe, it's clown esque, and he, okay. he kind of has a scary face, but he doesn't always, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talk about the other clown, I like I I thought of this other music video after watching Columbine. This is from a band called Clowncore, and this is their song Earth. Oh yeah, you've uh, you sent me one of their songs. I might have. A bit ago, and these guys are pretty wild and, and a very, very fun... Is this the one we're in the car? Um, Yeah, they, they're in a car in a lot of the videos. They have a van that they just drive around the neighborhood and play loudly, and that's their music video. But it's like, they're just wearing, like, jumpsuits, and mm-hmm. then, like, crappy masks that don't fit right. Yeah. And then they do, like, screamo stuff. I and- really... I mean, the dude can actually, like, play the trumpet... Like, that's fucking cool. I appreciate their drummer a shitload, because he's not only drumming, but he's also playing, like, the rhythm on the keyboard. But he also does this weird thing where he doesn't always keep rhythm, which, that that leans into the chaos element of the creepy clown aesthetic. Yeah. But he does it in a way that functions. Um, Like, I'll actually listen to Clown Corp while I'm, like, playing games and stuff. Yeah, no, they have a... They have a neat sound. I... I it's an interesting mix of, like, digital and metal and then whatever the fuck instrument they decide to bring with them. 
I, I'm sorry. I just I love the lyrics. There's a part where you say the Earth is flat because you're fat. <laughs> and the I, wish weird... I, could, I don't even know what kind of vocals he's doing. They're just weird. Oh yeah, nothing about it makes sense, and you never fully get used to it. It's actually really good on that trumpet. Or that's a trombone. No, it's a saxophone. That's a saxophone. What is that? Okay, I'm dumb. Why don't I know instruments? They're all tubes. Yeah, they're all, they're all brassy. Um, so I just. I was really, I was interested by the Columbine video. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it, it wasn't totally my jam, but the video was very well done. And then when it ended with the clown character, my first thought was like, oh, I want to listen to Clowncore. Sure. You know? <laughs> Which, I feel like that's an insult. Um, It's not because Clowncore does their own art. But I feel like it, if you juxtapose these two, one of these is a little more, like, uh, touching than the other. Mm-hmm. One of these might make you think a little more than the other. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of neat to like the to see that clown aesthetic because you got like insane clown posse, right? Which are also kind of borrowing from clowns, but also like are not, and they're just painting their faces. Like, yeah, um, they've sort of turned into their own thing. I feel like they started as the lazy trash clown, but mm-hmm. they they really did like build their own lore and aesthetic. I guess they put out a new song recently. I, I haven't heard it. Same clown posse. What comes up? Um, nothing that looks new. But I also don't don't understand how any of their shit works. They're weird. Yeah, no, their last like video was like six months ago. Never mind. Someone lied to me. I'm pretty sure my radio DJ lied to me. They said there was a new ICP song. Maybe they meant like the newest one. Maybe. I don't know. Uh. But anyways, I do want to say thank you for sharing Skinned with me. Yeah, I thought you'd probably at least appreciate like the artistry behind Certainly. it. Certainly. Um, I, I do recommend, I think, anybody out there, give it a try. Um, S-K-Y-N-D. They have a, a collab with uh, Jonathan Davis, who's the uh, lead singer in Korn. And that was an interesting song, because apparently that was a lot of people's first exposure to the band, because they listened to Korn, and all of a sudden, like, well, Korn's collabing with someone oh, that's okay. weird. Um, I listened to that song, and I thought he was the weakest part of it. I could believe which, that. Which is weird, because I think he's a fine singer. He he, he definitely sings corn music really, really well. And I like a lot of corn songs. I, I feel like they're a perfectly serviceable, fine band. They do some fun stuff. But he did not, like, fit with this. And then him in the music video, where she's being very theatrical and really acting, and he was just kind of just like, this is what I do in a rock video. I will do this here. It was really... Did not really mix well. Yeah, I can I can picture that. Um, what do you think about Puddle's pity party? Oh, he's great. That's a that's I would put that on the theatrical side. Mm-hmm. Or the more thespian. Well, he's just a fucking amazing singer, right? Like um, even if you vocals got rid alone, of everything. Yeah, he he sings amazingly. He has this terrific voice. Uh, but I really appreciate his commitment to the bit, where like he refuses to talk when he's in makeup. Yeah, like it's, it's borderline mime rules, and then he like shocks you the first time you hear him. So I don't I know. know. You, it's a, you say it's a good it's a good time for for clown fans out there. You gotta say, yeah, clown stuff's interesting. I've never really liked clowns. I I don't think I ever had like a scary experience with them or anything. I think there's just there's just something inherently weird about them, and I was just like, nope, no, I don't need to be a part of that. And I do like I like Pennywise a lot, but I'm also a huge Stephen King fan. 
but he's not really a clown. He just like you know like that monster just takes on the appearance of one, and then also whatever the fuck else it feels like doing because it's a troll. Yeah, I think I I didn't used to feel this way, but I really I think I kind of like clowns because there's an element of that. That's what my sense of humor is. Mm-hmm. Um, like I rely heavily on like prop comedy and like having bits, and and it's like. It's just not maybe in the sense that you would picture at the circus, but it's yeah. like, um, uh, like we'll be playing like Rainbow Six Siege, and then somebody accidentally kills me, and I, without even thinking about it, I have the keyboard shortcut for my soundboard to play the Halo, like betrayal. <laughs> yeah, see, it makes you laugh. It makes everyone else in the group laugh. Um, or I'll get a headshot, and it plays the grunt birthday party sound effect. Nice. Um, and it's like, oh, wait a minute, I am a clown. And I think I realized this about a year ago. Mm-hmm. That it's like, oh, if I if I were to train to be an actual clown, that would be, like, depressing, so I won't do it. I don't know, like, I learned to juggle. You, you could, you know, start slow, just kind of... There, there's definitely an artistry there. I just, uh, I don't, I don't totally get it. But also, like, like, balloon animals are fun, juggling's fun. It's largely just, like, the weird hair and face paint. Like, it, it's just, like, you look so, like, you belong in a horror movie. Well, that's the other thing. You, you know what else I'm good at is being sad all the time? Oh, yeah. Uh, sad clowns are the best. You just stand there mopey. You know, it's like I'm fat and dumpy, and I could have, like, a frown painted on my face. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just there. I'm just, I'm not doing anything. And if someone approaches me, I can pull out, like, a little, like, flower that, like, wilts in front of me, and then I cry. Um, and it's like, oh, that's a bit. I could I could do the sad clown thing. Um, did I tell you about my, uh, my Seinfeld bookmark? No, you did not. I have a Seinfeld bookmark. Cool. What character? Uh, everybody. Oh, there you go. And I keep it in my lunchbox at work, and I spilled coffee on it. Oh, no. And so I literally, like... I shouted like I'm in the office like fuck damn it because I tipped over my <laughs> coffee cup right and someone runs around the corner like hey Cameron what's wrong he's like I spilled coffee in my Seinfeld bookmark and I hold up the bookmark and there's like Jerry Seinfeld going hey what's the deal with spilled coffee <laughs> um and he's staring at me like why do you have a Seinfeld bookmark here <laughs> and it's like and it's like he doesn't even want to acknowledge it mm-hmm. and it, and he just like walked away and started laughing. Um, and it's like, I feel like this is the thing that I can do that other people can't. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not going to say it's an underappreciated art, but it's an art that functions because you don't expect it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I tell bad jokes, but they're timed correctly. I feel like I get away with that at work too, but also there's, I have like the, I don't know how, what kind of age difference you have with your coworkers, but mine can be pretty extreme where a lot of my immediate coworkers are in their like mid to late fifties. And so half the shit I say they don't expect at all, and it's largely just because it's, like, millennial humor, or they're not on the internet at all. And so if I, like, phrase something kind of weird that, like, oh, you'd hear, like, like I can has, you know, something, I don't, you know, not that specifically, but something similar, right? And they're just, like, so flabbergasted that anybody would say or construct a sentence that way, and that's how I get them to laugh, even though that's probably not actually that funny. Yeah, no, I get that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I, I feel like we're kind of like on a clown thing. I'm curious, um, what you think of Pennywise as a character? Uh, okay. So disclaimer: I have not read the book. Okay. And I have not watched the uh, 
what is it, a miniseries? And I only yeah. watched the first movie. Okay. Um, You know, it's funny. I had a conversation with my brother uh, three weeks ago, specifically about Pennywise. Uh, he never saw the movie. And so I was telling him, like, I got really excited for a minute because I wanted to recommend it to him. And then I said, well, wait, there was only one scene in the whole movie that I liked. And I bet you can just find it on YouTube. So I looked it up on YouTube and sent him the scene. I was like, okay, just watch this. That's the whole movie. And you'll Is have it a- when he gets like out of the, the fridge? No, just the first, the opening scene where he's in the gutter. Oh, okay. That's that's the only time that I liked him because they don't let him do anything. Yeah, the movies, I really like uh, the new movie. I think it, it nails the tone of the book really well. Okay. And, well, to a point. I think it does a good job with the characters. It's really well acted. I, I really like Skarsgård as Pennywise, but he's Pennywise is definitely more of a presence and definitely a more like terrifying presence in the book. But even then, it's like it's a scary book, but it's not that scary. It's one of those like it's a Stephen King book, right? Like it it, it hits it hits these kind of mid grounds where it's it's just super well written. It's a great page turner. There's a lot of like good scary elements to it, but it's almost there's a lot of comedy just because he writes kids in such a goofy way because he writes them as kids and and. They can be scared, but they can also be cracking jokes at the same time. And you're just like, I don't know if I'm going to laugh or scared here, and so I'm just going to laugh because I feel like that that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, I like Pennywise mostly as like a almost like a Lovecraftian creature because that is where he goes in the book. And so he takes the guys as a clown, and I think it works. Um, but he's also so much more than that. And so like part two of, of the movie delves into that in a way I didn't think it would because I, I just simply didn't think that the movies would embrace any of the cosmic shit at all. But he almost has less to do in the second movie. It's weird. I believe that. Um, I I don't know why they bothered... The design is so good. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they bothered casting him with an actor because he, he does such a good job when they let him do something. But it's usually just standing still. And it just really bugs me. I, I don't get... um, So the reason I like that first scene is he looks super creepy and menacing, but he manages to just be not creepy enough to send you running away. Yeah. And the way he talks, where he's like, he's being fun, and he talks about the circus and all the fun sounds and the... And the smells and the and the popcorn and the popcorn machines. A pop, 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 pop. And there's a point where he just like stops talking and one of his eyes starts to drift. And he just has this like frozen smile. Mm-hmm. And it's like just uncomfortable enough where it's like, okay, nothing about this is natural. And you're waiting for something bad to happen. And it's handled very, very well. Yeah. Uh, and I, I saw, so I, I remember watching it in the theater and after that scene ended, I remember thinking, like, man, I don't know if I can get through this movie. And then it was all downhill from there, where, like, I never felt that tension again. Sure. I I kind of didn't care about the characters. Like, when something scary happened, I never felt like, oh, they're in danger. And see, that's the thing that the book has over the movie, right? Is Because that book is huge. It's like a thousand pages. Oh, yeah, I know. And And so, like, it is such a character-driven book that... It's not really about the scares in a lot of ways. Like, there's definitely some really good ones, and there's a lot of, like, fucked up shit that does not make it in the movies. But at the end of the day, it's like, you really like, you know, these seven characters, and you want to see what happens to them. And their interaction is, like, better than the scare stuff. It, 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 I love books like that. Like, 
that's what I, I it's just what I want out of fiction is like character stories versus you know plot or theme or whatever like but one I don't know the and, and to me like everything it really comes back to like the rules that Pennywise ends up operating on which is not clown rules it's its own rules but like he turns into the things that the kids are most afraid of and the, they realize this and they're like okay no the thing is though is the things he turns into are like susceptible to whatever they're susceptible like like werewolves are susceptible to silver and so they see a werewolf movie one of the kids gets really scared of werewolves it turns into a werewolf and they go well we could shoot silver at him and kill him then and so there's this huge arc of this book where they're trying to figure out how can they make a silver bullet to kill Pennywise as and I don't I'm pretty sure none of that wound up in the movie which sucked because like that was like some of the best part of the book mm-hmm. and, it, and it was just like neat to unravel this monster and figure out how it ticks and why it ticks have we talked about the shining yes we have i feel like it is a story that doesn't adapt to film well and would either be a good like multiple episode miniseries or they would have to adapt it so extremely that it's not recognizable to make a, a better movie which is what kubrick did um Oh, with The Shining. Mm-hmm. I was talking about it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think they, I think they need to do something like that with it instead of just like. I feel like the popularity around the movie partially came from just brand recognition, which I'm getting very tired of. I think that's fair. To be fair, I did actually like both movies. I'm one of the weird people who liked the third movie. Uh, a lot of people hated that movie, and I thought it was there's a, a third really good one? comedy, or not the third, the second. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I thought the second one was a really good comedy. I don't know if it hit a lot of the things the book did. I appreciated that it tried, but there was just so many jokes in the script, and it was so there's a lot of slapstick in some of it too. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? Like I'm laughing, but it, it's it's clearly kind of abandoned ship in a ways, and I, I can see people being like not happy about that. But a lot of the big Stephen King books, like, I think they want to do The Stand is a a mini series, and it's like. Good fucking luck. You're going to need a lot of episodes. That it's like a 1400-page book. I like um what was that one movie that uh that Stephen King directed himself while he was on cocaine? Oh god. Um yeah, well, it has to do with the cars. Well, everything like the appliances kill people and Yeah, what the hell was the name of that? There there's a scene where like like a factory equipment um or like a tractor runs over a kid in the football field. And supposedly they refilmed that like five times because every single time, like he's like, no, 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 we need more blood more. And it was like a, a real maximum overdrive, <laughs> maximum overdrive. He, he, re- he deeply regrets that like in interviews and stuff. He's just like, what the fuck was I doing? And it's like, well, a lot of cocaine. The The best part is um the trailer he doesn't show a lot of the movie. It's him standing there addressing the audience. And he says, hi, I'm Stephen King. And uh, you've probably seen a lot of movies based on my books. Uh, but I don't think any of those directors really nailed it. So I decided if you, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. So that's why I directed Maximum Overdrive. And I think you're in for a scare. And it's so disjointed from the end product. But having him, I mean, there's a great line where he says, I had a lot of fun filming it. And it's like, you can practically see the white smeared over his face. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I bet you did, Steven. 
Yeah, uh, he. I'm. Uh, there's a, I'm kind of surprised he's still alive because he did a shitload of drugs. He was an alcoholic at one point too. Well, that and also that like after that car crash. Oh yeah. Um, he literally said that he was done. Like he did not want to work anymore because it's like you know I've done enough. I and I don't know if I how much I have left in me. Um, which is really scary for fans of the Dark Tower because he had not finished that at that point. <laughs> yeah, that too. I think that was actually, um, that might have been what got him back into it. He's a very creative person that has to get these ideas out. But I think there was like, I'll just finish up that one project. And it's like, okay, you're fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Do do you remember that Family Guy episode where they they did Stephen King stories? Oh, no, I thought you were going to say the, because there was a a one-off gag where Brian runs someone over and he goes, oh shit, I hit Stephen King. And the guy's like, no, I'm Dean Koontz. And so he backs up a couple That's times right. and runs over some no, more. I, I love that. Um, no, they I've did, never read a Dean Koontz book, by the way. I have no idea. No, they, how... they did an episode where it was three uh, Stephen King movies. Hmm. And one of them was... What's the... Shoot. Uh, the one with like the crazy fanatic lady? Oh, uh, Misery. Misery. Um, so they did Misery. And Brian is playing the writer. And he's like he's driving through the snowy mountains. And he's on the phone. And he's talking about his big uh, book deal, blah, blah, blah. And he comes around the corner, and right in the road is Stephen King. He goes, ah, so he tries to steer, and he hits Stephen King. And so Stephen King is, like, flying through the air across a ravine. And while he's somersaulting through the air, he's like, ah, this gives me an idea for a book. And so he pulls out paper and starts writing it. And then he <laughs> and then he lands on the other side of the ravine safely. And he just, like, lands on his two feet. And he's like, and done. No, the dude's a fucking maniac. You, you saw that that George R. R. Martin interview with him, right? Yeah, where he's like, "Do you ever get writer's block?" And then like George like talks for ten minutes describing how writer's block is like being constipated in your brain or something, and Stephen's just sitting there quietly. And then like when it's her, his turn to talk, he's like, "No, I just write." <laughs> the dude writes like eight to twelve pages a fucking day, even when it's his vacation. His his output is is literally double to triple mine. When I'm working on a novel, he's a he's a maniac. He's fucking wild. Oh, he is. Um, I feel like this is a clown episode. I want to revert back one more to um, Joker and Harley Quinn. Oh yeah, okay. I'm I'm curious what you and I, there's lots of different Jokers and different Harley Quinns. Like I've been watching Harley Quinn the animated series right now, the the new one, almost done with season two. It's fucking really really good. I feel like she's written really well. The Joker's written really well. I, I hate them in the comic books. And then when it comes to the movies, I feel like Joker can be kind of hit or miss. I like Heath Ledger. I appreciated Joaquin Phoenix's acting. I don't really consider him like a Joker Joker, at least as far as uh, the comic book adaptations are concerned. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, where you rate those two as far as the clownometer? Um, When you say those two, you mean Joker and Harley Quinn? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I think Harley Quinn works better when she's, like, I, I like her when she's, um like, a nobody that's just, a, like, a goon that is a okay. sidekick to the Joker, or when she's her own character. I don't like when she's, like, the strong independent character, but also, like, working with the Joker, because I feel like it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. There's usually, like, there's the pieces there for more conflict on the relationship, and then they don't actually do anything with that. So it's like, I think she has to be like totally submissive to him, or the total opposite. 
Sure. Um, did you watch the? What was that movie called? <laughs> um, oh, uh, Birds of Prey. Yeah, but what's the title? Wasn't that the title? No. That the Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, or no, no, no. I thought it was just Birds of Prey. Title. Or was it Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey? Um, no, it was it was uh, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. I did not watch it. Um, I meant to. I think when was this in theaters? Was this this wasn't when like COVID was starting, was it? I want to say last year. Yeah, I thought it was last year. I don't know why I didn't catch it. Time um, is, is ridiculous right now, though. I have no. I mean, it it says it's seven fifty three, but I don't believe it. So, I was. Uh, I wanted to watch it. The first trailer I saw was like, "Oh, this looks like the parts of Suicide Squad that I wasn't interested in." The whole movie, mm-hmm. and then I saw a second trailer where it's like, "Oh, well, wait, this has a little more like." interesting elements to it and i heard a review where they were just they were panning it like they were just they hated the movie so much and they were describing everything about it that made me want to see the movie like there's a part of like there's a lot of like campiness and color that's out of place and it's like yeah that that sounds like a good movie to watch and there's a part where there's like a whole fight sequence where they're on like a spinning merry-go-round thing with these weird like giant hands on springs or something and it doesn't make sense and they're like doing kung fu flips and bouncing off of people and socking people in the jaw and kicking dudes in the nuts and stuff and they compared it to like how adam west would fight bad guys on the old show and it's like that's brilliant yeah give me that please and these are like critiques against the movie (laughs) it's like oh no i i kind of want that version so i don't know um i don't care for suicide squad yeah, that movie sucked. Um, no, I I mean like the that property oh, the premise. Like I don't like yeah, the books I... or the idea of the characters having to work together. Like it, it falls flat for me. I like Harley when she's uh, okay. The oh shit, what the hell was the name? This this came out like a year or two ago. It was written by Tom King. It was a twelve issue series, and it had to do with like, hey, superheroes, but they go to therapy, and then all the then the therapy like lounge was attacked or whatever. Um, Heroes in Crisis. And then, and no one should read that because other than like the first two issues, it goes down the shitter and it's awful. However, I really like how Harley is portrayed in the first couple issues of that, where she's clearly a villain, but she's got a moral compass. She's just kind of willing to be a villain to get what she wants, and and I I think that kind of works for her, where she gets to kind of be that badass, but she gets to walk the line. Where you get to still like her because her her the end goal is a positive one. It's just the means to it are not, but then you kind of get some, it's just fun to see her try to get there. And you're like, well, we're, I'm, I'm watching a bad person and I know she's bad. So you shouldn't do that. Wag the finger, but also like, yeah, kill some more people. This is enjoyable. And the, the cartoon does that really well too. Um, did you play Arkham Asylum? Did not. One of the things you do in that game is you find, um, like little secret tapes and there'll be like audio logs of, uh, um, they're like recordings of therapy sessions with the different characters. And there's a series of them I really liked where they're tapes of um, of Harley uh, dealing with the Joker when he was first transferred in. And that's when like she was working there as a doctor. And it's very... It gives you a lot more to work with when you see how she fell for him. Mm-hmm. where it's like he's being a troublemaker and he's also being kind of cute about it 
and it's like he seems like he's tricking her but there's also a lot of like niceness to it where it's believable that she would fall for it if it is a trick but also maybe it's not even a trick you know what i mean um i guess i can't i can't quote any of it from memory i i recommend you look up the tapes but i kind of liked that take on the relationship that it's sort of genuine yeah and it's like that's his that's his way to get out is if he can trick one of the doctors to fall for him and there's a tape recording of the day he escaped where like she tripped the alarms or something as a distraction um and he's like well great let's get out of here um and and she like unveils like, and look i made a costume um and and he's like, oh harley baby you look great in it and they run out together and it's like a it's this interesting thing where it almost feels borderline like Venture Brothers without the comedy part. Sure. Um, oh, I finished season seven. There's eight. There's eight seasons, right? I don't know. Yeah, eight. Yeah. So, so we finished season seven. We got one more to go. God, that show is fucking brilliant. Yeah, it is. That show is so so fucking good. My parents love it. By the way, we've been watching it as a family. We've been burning through it fairly fast. And uh, it's God a good damn. show. I love the monarch so fucking much. He's great, and his whole obsession, like, be I'm the blue morpho now. Like, I just like I get to work and I want to like shout that at people. Like, I'm the blue morpho. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't because I'm not unhinged. Also, I just poured myself another drink, even though we're almost done. Um, I liked Harley in Injustice too. Did you Did you play Injustice too? Did not. Oh, um, the storytelling and. Those Injustice games is, like, better than the DC movies. I know there are comic books based off them, and I want to say I read a couple of them, and they were really good, and then forgot they were coming out and stopped. Yeah, I think those comics were tied into the game. Mm -hmm. Like, they actually fill in, like, a little bit of, like, in between some events, but um, they did... Oh, there's a really good fight with Flash and Reverse Flash, and it's like... I hate the Flash. What? I hate the Flash. Oh, I do too. That's why I, I love the reverse Flash, because he keeps trying to kill the Flash. Mm-hmm. And so you can unlock the reverse Flash like color swap costume, and he has a different voice when you play as him. It's like, oh, I don't have to play as Flash, I can play as reverse Flash. <laughs> um, but I like, uh, like in the other universe where there's like chaos or whatever, and everything's up and down, um, there's a part where Batman decides to start like trusting other people, and like f- we have to form a team, and we have to we have to stop evil by joining together is good. Uh, and it's like, and someone gives him advice. It's like, well, Hey Batman, you gotta be more trusting of people. We gotta, you know, you can't just rely on the people that you think you trust. You gotta open up our boundaries a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's like, it cuts to him introducing some other superheroes to the bat cave. And he's like showing them around. They're like, wow, is this the bat cave? And he's like, Oh wow. Is that your, your supercomputer that solves all the mysteries and crime? Um, you, you'd have to be a genius to run that. And then the chair turns around, and it's Harley Quinn, and she's like, I, "Like I don't know about genius, but I do got a PhD." And it's <laughs> it's fun to see her like gloating as she's using the Bat computer. Um, that version of Harley's pretty good. What about the Joker? So the Joker, I kind of, uh, I never thought he was the cool villain. Um, it's kind of weird, right? I feel like when I was a kid, I liked like Mister Freeze more, just because yeah. he had like this cool ice gun. No, Mister Freeze is my go-to. Um, I think my thing with the Joker is he works as a Batman villain, mm-hmm. but he's put on this pedestal where he's the antithesis to Batman, and I don't know why. 
and he became this super popular, like, edgy icon, and I don't know why. Like, I don't know where that's coming from. Uh, I think the best Joker is Mark Hamill. Oh, sure. I think... I like the Jack Nicholson Joker. Um, Heath Ledger did a very good job, but it was also... He wasn't playing the Joker. He was playing like a very odd take on the character that was interesting in the context of that movie. Yeah, that's fair. Like he, you know, I've read enough comics and well, here's the thing though, is like the comics continue to get darker and darker and darker. And so like the Joker almost like is continues to move in like that direction. Where like, if you want read like Batman three jokers, like one of them is very similar to Heath Ledger's Joker where he just wants to like fuck shit up and, and, and be, the villain to Batman, and, and we gotta make more Jokers, and we have to just cause chaos because that's fun. Like, and I like that as a concept, but if you, I, I also like the comedy Joker more. Like, if if I watch Adam West Batman and the Joker shows up, like, it's just it's more fun when he's absurd because everything about Batman is absurd. And the more we play Batman straight, the more I don't like Batman. It's like Harley Quinn's great because Batman's a fucking like petulant child half the time he's on screen and it's like yes of course he is. he's a fucking rich piece of shit like this makes sense i, d- I don't know i i have very I want, specific I want the, things i want out of batman oh yeah i want the joker to tell jokes um i want him to laugh uh he can be like deceptively clever and his plan comes together and it's like i can't believe that happened but i feel like because he's just the bad guy it, it sometimes his plan is to rob a bank and i'm like what like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I I liked in Dark Knight where it, 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 it there's a lot of very cool moments. And I like that one part where they walk out of the building and then like that Batman impersonator is like hanging upside down with his face carved up. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's like any senses message that way and stuff. And I like the part of the end where it's like, I'm going to show you how, how crazy people are. One one of the boats is going to blow up, and if you don't blow up your boat, then the other boat will blow up your boat. And then the people decide, well, I don't want to boat up, blow up boat. And he goes, I've been foiled again. And I, I liked that in the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, was he really about making a public message? Like, was that actually what he was building towards? Because I know an element of that version of the character is that you don't understand what his motivation is. Right. But it's also like, is he really obsessed with Batman or was he obsessed with society? Like, was he mad at the city or was it just the Batman drove him over the edge? Like, he didn't seem to have an actual personal goal. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have to, but right. there's parts of it where if you if you want to actually dissect it, I, I walk away going like, maybe that's not my favorite Joker. No, I think that's fair. And I mean, like the Joker and Lego Batman is great. And it is largely just like. He loves Batman and needs Batman, and and Batman needs the Joker, and I I really enjoy that, and I feel like it doesn't work without all the history of Batman and Joker because it's making fun of it. Yeah, it's it's, satire. It's but it is so good. Um, I liked uh, what what do you think of the um Jared Leto Joker? Oh God, he is barely in that movie. Yeah, but I I feel like people made fun of the dumb tattoos and stuff. Honestly, for the the kind of like aesthetic that movie was going for, it was appropriate. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like this is an Elseworlds thing, probably. Like, it's weird and it's stupid, but I feel like it wasn't 
the dumbest thing in that movie. Um, I actually, I wanted more of him. I think Jared Leto's a great actor. He was clearly, like, trying his best with that, and it's a shame they probably cut a lot of his scenes. Oh, they did. Um, there's, I think there's scenes in that movie where there's kind of, like, these, like, brief flashbacks. And those flashbacks are all, like, little pieces of the actual scenes of the first script. Mm. It's, like, it's kind of sad that there's, like, Here's little hints of what the movie would have been, but we we saw Guardians of the Galaxy did well, so we we made a different movie. Yeah, like that he was fine in that. Like I I, I don't remember having any negative opinions on his Joker once you get past like the aesthetic of him, but it's like, oh, he's going for a completely different kind of Joker. At least he's having fun with the role. It it's literally everything else about that movie is dog shit. Uh you're familiar with Film Cow, right? I feel like we've brought him up, but... He, he makes, uh, like, Charlie the Unicorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you see his Joker video where it's the Joker getting tattoos? No, but that sounds awesome. So it's just, like, this is, like, when the that first teaser picture came out and you saw all of his stupid tattoos. And so it's just, it's <laughs> it's the Joker, and he shows up at the, um, the tattoo parlor, and he's like, hey, yeah, so I wanted to um i wanted to get some cool tattoos so on my chest i wanted you to put the words ha 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 because like i'm a funny guy you know like i tell a lot of jokes so that's an important part of me he's like yeah i can do that and then but so i i tell a lot of jokes but also like i'm kind of i'm all messed up you know so i want like the word damaged on my forehead okay you want the word damaged on your forehead i can do that yeah because i'm also i'm all messed up you know and so i want that but also, can you give me like a cursive, like a fancy font, so that I'm still presentable for job interviews? Yeah, yeah, we got a font book. You can pick out the one. Oh, okay, this is this is gonna be good because I'm all messed up, you know. It's like, yeah, so you want ha ha and and a bunch of like smiley faces. Like, yeah, you get you get what I'm going for. It's like, okay, yeah, we can we can set you up. It's like, man, mom is gonna freak. Ah. <laughs> uh. Okay, we got a little bit more time. Do you have any other clown-related news? Um, no, I don't think so. But I am really glad that this episode felt coherent. I actually really, really like this episode. This is a lot of fun talking to you tonight. Yeah, I'm I can't believe drunk. we put together a, a wonderful celebration of um, the fine art of clownery. Richard, paint your fucking Warhammer figures. Yeah, Richard, do that. Watch that Midwinter Minis video on how to paint for noobs and fucking do it paint those harley quins do it i want to see them um and what was the other thing did we want to pick music for a listen along yes little book club music club what do we call this album club we can call it album club album club i slurred that a little (laughs) so what did you what did you pick for album club so i wanted to do actually i can't remember what my parameters were I want you to listen to A Thousand Sons by Linkin Park. Linkin Park. Is that the one um, where they go, eh, eh, it doesn't matter? Uh, probably. So Linkin Park are an interesting band because their their first album was huge and they were really big in the new metal scene, the rap rock stuff, and it's very angry and angsty. And, and I really, really like Hybrid Theory. I, I have amazing memories with that oh, album. Okay, okay. I- you know how I like whiskey, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any clean glasses that are, like, whiskey-shaped. Mm-hmm. So I put it in a different glass, and that was a bad idea. You had to... Did, 
Put put your whiskeys in the right glass, people. Did you did you pour too much? No, um, it's just a tall glass. So, so you poured too much. No, what I did was I went to take a drink and I exhaled a little bit, and it blew all of the air right in my eyes, and it's like spicy. What kind of whiskey are you drinking? Um, uh, wild turkey bourbon whiskey. Oh fuck yeah, wild turkey is great. Kentucky straight. I love wild turkey so much. Anyways, Lincoln Park. So Lincoln Park have a very interesting musical history because they they changed things up a decent amount. And so a lot of their fans were like, I was a child. I liked Hybrid Theory. I liked uh, Meteora, their first two albums. And then they put out A Thousand Sons. That's their fourth album. And it's drastically different, but not entirely. There's definitely elements of both. But it's, it's a lot more like cinematic, maybe. It's it. They're they're definitely trying something different there, and I feel like it's it's just a really cool, interesting piece of music. They were trying to put something together that was like, this is one song that's like forty minutes long, but we we broke it up, you know, and now it's we're gonna separate forty eight minutes. It, it 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 we're gonna break it apart into different songs. But like the idea is, you definitely listen to it from start to finish and pretend it's like one whole thing. We're telling a mood piece. Um. I don't know if it's my favorite Linkin Park album, but I, I do think it is their most interesting and definitely showcases them as like really, really good songwriters. And there's really slow stuff. There's really heavy stuff. There's really cool rap scenes. Like there's just a lot going on in it. The drums are mixed so well. So I'm like, yeah, I, I want I want people to listen to this again. Like go back to this album and give it a go because it's fucking awesome. That sounds like a good pick. I think we're going to have fun talking about it. Um, and also, I'm pretty sure I can tolerate Linkin Park, so it won't be a chore to get through. <laughs> that was another thing, right? Like, I'm just like, I listened to some fucked up stuff. What's oh, something I, I tell it, people will like? That's the thing. It's like, I there's stuff that I tolerate that I don't play in the car, because I don't want to pull up to a red light and someone has to hear this for two seconds, because that would mm. be rude. Um. Okay, so I want to make sure I get the name right. In the meantime, I sent you Bionicle art, so there you, you did. go. did, I'm going to send that to Jean-Luc. That is beautiful. It is really good. I remember having those things, too, them fucking, like, bug things. Those are my favorite. I loved how they rolled up, and like, uh, like the droidicas from Star Wars, mm-hmm. but I love the little, like, they have, like, that snake feature where their, their fangs, like, strike out. Yeah, they're really cool. But also, they stored in the containers cool, where they would, like, it's like they were pods, Mm-hmm. And they had a little thing on the lid where you could like attach it, so you lift up the lid and it's like hanging from it. Like that's how they organically live. They felt very alien. It was cool. Yeah, those they were perfect. And then they were also priced right. They're like on the smaller end. Yeah, they're, so they're like it, eight dollars or something. It, it was reasonable. It wasn't like a thirty dollars set. Yeah. So it wasn't a big deal to collect them. I think between me and my brother, we got like a total of eight of them, and so we had these like little creatures that the, our heroes would have to fight off. It was the best. Okay, um, I found the album. Now, I want to. I want you to listen to this album, but I also want you to listen to a single that I thought was on the album, because it, I think it, I think the single had to have been released around the same time. Okay. Um, but I recommend to you Give Me Convenience or Give Me Death by the Dead Kennedys. Ooh, we're doing some punk music. Yeah. Um, but I also, the single I want you to listen to is Kill the Poor. I... I could have sworn it was on this album, but apparently it's not. 
the side B to kill the poor is on the album. I don't know what the deal with that was. Um, but yeah, 1987. Give, shit, we're going back a ways. Yeah, give me convenience or give me death. And I I think I've talked multiple times by now about uh, no dogs in space. It's this terrific documentary series about punk music. And I'm listening to, like, part four of the Dead Kennedys, and it's like, man, this is so fascinating. Like, I've never cared about punk music before listening to this series. And they do such amazing deep dives with all kinds of fun stories. Like, I've really been loving it. Um, So this isn't the homework assignment, but you and anyone else out there, listen to the Dead Kennedys episodes of No Dogs in Space for, like, extra background. But if you want to join us for our album club... Just look for Give Me Convenience or Give Me Death. Yeah! No, I'm excited. I've never listened to the Dead Kennedys before, and this is a good excuse to. Yeah, I also... I don't think it's very long. Um, um According to YouTube, it's 51 minutes, so it's a decent album. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it is complete then. That's that's fine. Um, I'm actually really interested... I wanna, I'm going to listen to this a couple times, because I want to listen to it just, like, normally. Like, how I listen to music. And I want to throw on my big headphones, and, and I want to hear how it's produced. Because this is an older album, they definitely were not making them how they are now, especially punk music, and I bet this is going to be messy, but in a good way. Oh yeah, what was it? I think it was The Misfits. Um, There's a great story where one of the songs, it starts really weird, where there's like a hard cut, where you just, you hear noise and the song's already playing. And it's like, it's right up to tempo, and it's like, it's kind of cool how quickly it gets into like, the downbeat. Um, and, and people really loved that. It was like, it was this like striking thing where it felt like you're like, you're getting punched and the song starting. It's like, oh yeah, it's us do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the story about why it does that is they went into the record, st- <laughs> the, the recording studio, um, and they just started playing the, the song and the manager knows, oh, we're not going to get a second take out of him. So he like leapt through the air and slammed his hand on the record button. Cause it wasn't starting yet. Oh my god, that's so awesome. So what you're hearing is their first take, and like the desperate, like, we have to record as much of this as possible, and he slammed it. It's like, little things like that. I love No Dogs in Space, man. Um, I, I would like, probably like this podcast a lot too, I should I should check it out, just because like, the way we record music now versus the way we record music then is so different. Like, everything is so sterile now, and so perfect, and everything, like, the album has to be perfect. And I kind of get it, because it's the album, right? But Motherfucker, like, every album you listen to now, the drums are not real. Like, the, the drummer will play, and then the, 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 the guy producing will go, okay, you did a good job. Now we're going to quantize this so it lands perfectly with the beat. We're playing right. at 120 BPM. That one lands perfect. And then, uh, because recording drums is really hard, I have I have samples that were recorded perfectly. We'll just replace the ones I don't like with samples so it sounds perfect all the way through. Yeah. And And then, I'm guilty of this. Like, literally, that's how I make my music. But if you listen to a song that was recorded with real drums versus one that isn't, like, you can fucking tell. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's one of the things I'm really appreciating about these punk bands is, like, sometimes you, you know the story is kind of funny where, like, their drummer didn't want to play anymore, so he left. And there wasn't even drama. It's just like, I don't want to do this. And they left. And they literally, like, well, we got a show tomorrow. Uh, you... We, do you want to drum? And it's like, I've never done that before. It's like, you'll be fine. And then it's like, that becomes their drummer. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's because like she because she didn't have proper training on how to drum. 
she made it up as she went and it developed into this unconventional style where she's drumming in rhythm that she keeps very well but incorrectly mm-hmm. so it's a unique sound that's that makes the album more special and actually just sounds better only because it's not classically trained drumming and it's like yeah i i want authentic stuff <laughs> this is so nice yeah um yeah dead kennedys are weird uh i i don't i don't know their whole soundography i don't have the whole breakdown i want to say Give me convenience or give me death is like a little bit before they start to go downhill, and I don't really care for the stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll talk about this stuff in depth, but I think this is an interesting album that I think you'll appreciate. Okay. Um, I'm I've excited. been listening to it a lot lately. I kind of want to keep talking about drumming because, like, some of the deathcore bands I listen to use programmed drums, and they're just like kind of shameless about it. Like the first Shadow of Intent album, they didn't have a drummer, so they programmed them all. And there's something kind of special about, like, well, we can make it go 16th notes at 180 BPM for the entire song, and that's fine. That's just all the kick drums now. And it's like, oh, it sounds like a machine gun, the whole song. And there is something really fun about that if you're throwing it in a metal song. Like, well, I get it, like, tools. It, yeah, yeah, it's like, no one can play this, but <laughs> it's fucking cool. So, I'm not I'm not against program drums. I, I They work, they can work, I use them. But there's definitely more soul if you in the older stuff where they weren't that. And so they recorded the drums, and they went, okay, this is the best drum take we got. We have to record everything around this. Hey, guitarist, I hope you can keep up with this. But also, like, you know, he fucked up a bit, so slow down here a little. You know, make it work. Yeah, I, I'll always take one soul over 100 circuit boards. Mm-hmm. Um, I told you about the Bard class on Final Fantasy, right? Uh, I want to say yes, but... Um, so you can actually, one of the, your abilities is that you just pull up like a MIDI keyboard and you can just play music. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's a program you can use where it, it will translate MIDI files into the right button presses in the game. Oh, interesting. So that way you can just play any MIDI file. So sometimes it's like online, someone's having a Christmas party and you show up and there's like Christmas music playing because there's mm-hmm. a couple bards with a synced app that are playing these MIDI files. So there's like rocking around the Christmas tree is playing and you can just, you can tell it's a MIDI file. I hate MIDI so much. (laughs) Like there's, it's a functional tool and you can use it to make good things. But when you Mm -hmm. just listen to a raw MIDI file where it's like a B B A B A F. And it's like, I don't like this at all. That's not, that's not music. And when I hear people in the, in final fantasy, clearly using the little midi app i just i get up and walk away because it's obnoxious to me so when you i wonder like if we're looking at midi files in different ways because when you hear midi like what what are you you're just talking like kind of like boops or 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 what like well okay you you actually handle midi files like in your audio programs yes um i'm not talking about that i'm talking about like when you go to a GeoCities site and it's like, look, <laughs> I look here's the Frozen song, and it's I made it on MIDI, and like, that's not listenable. Like that's something no. that you can use, but people will go like, oh look, I got the Frozen song, and they start beeping and booping, and it's like, that, stop it. Okay, yeah, I get that. Like, like. To me, a MIDI file is a really good tool because it's, here's all the notes in the song, 
and if you listen to it, it might sound like shit, but these are the proper notes, so if you right. want to replace them with, like, an actual instrument, right. you can, and it's it, easy. And so it's, it's what, what a MIDI file is supposed to be is sheet music that a yeah. computer can it, use. It's literally, yeah, computer sheet music. Um, when, when someone in Final Fantasy is playing a MIDI file synced up to their, their crappy bard instrument, everything is timed so perfectly that it's kind of like when Data on Star Trek is playing music, and they go, but Data, that's not real jazz. And he's like, well, I can play three different varieties of the song. He's like, no, you have to find your own variety. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, technically, it's correct. But yeah. it doesn't have that soul to it. Um, I spent weeks learning how to play Concerning Hobbits, because um, there's a very nice flute. So I can do that whole like little Hobbiton melody. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and it's like I've got this little house, and sometimes we'll have house guests over, and I'll just practice it. And it's like I've gotten compliments where people go, "Oh, you're actually playing that," and then they'll come over and sit down and watch me practice because there's a difference between, you know, playing the song correctly and then being musical. And it's like it's more fun to try it than to just hit play on a button, you know? Dude, I just thought. Of- the the there's a, there's a couple of uh, songs from the Hobbit with lyrics in it that are like halfway decent. What if that's one of the songs we do? Oh, that let's put that on the table. Uh, I remember the I, there's a really like low deep moody song. I cannot fucking remember any of it, but I know like I listened to it a few times and it's good. So maybe that's one we could try. That might be fun. And it sucks. I I, I like it's over, isn't it? It's a good song. It's just. And, like, I can work on it tomorrow, and we could maybe make it work. It's just really difficult. But I've also put, like, eight hours into it. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. You know, sunk cost fallacy is a thing. Oh, fuck. We're at, a, we're at an hour 13. Should we, should we wrap up? Yeah, we should. Well, let's do a quick, um... Let's do a, a quick glad space. Okay. My glad space is a Stephen King book, because I've been reading a new one, and I think it's his newest one. It's called The Institute. And it's about, like, a government program that kidnaps, like, psychic kids and, like, does horrible experiments on them to try to make them more psychic so they can use them for the evil government plans. And it's fucking awesome. And it's such a goddamn page-turner. Like, it's not trying to be high art. It's not even, like, that scary. It's it's just, like, it's just a, a thriller. And, and you're just like, oh, shit, this page ended. I have to read the next one. Oh, I have to read the next one. And it's so easy to be like, oh, shit, I registered, like, 100 pages. It has been, like, an hour and ten minutes. And it... My cat is really hungry, and he's like, please feed me. It's like, no, I have to read more more pages, cat. Like, just go away. It's almost done. It's be fine. And I love it. I'm so I'm having so much fun. It's been a while since I've read a new Stephen King book, and I love it. That's good. I Man, it's funny that we ended up talking about Stephen King a lot today. <laughs> yeah. Because he's literally, he's still relevant, releasing stuff. That dude's great. Yeah. Um, My glad space is Star Wars Squadron's. Yay! Oh, Joe's been playing that. Um. Oh, has he? I I got the feeling he didn't like it. He's been having some tech issues. Like, I I feel like it has to do with like the frame rate and refresh rate, or or some of the the yeah. nitty gritty shit that I, just doesn't look right. Um, I was having a blast with it, and I think he asked me if I recommend it to him, and I didn't recommend it to him, and then he said, "Well, I bought it anyways." <laughs> um, and it's like, well, whatever. If you, you know, if he has fun, this will be fun to play together. 
And a couple days went by and I asked him if he was enjoying it. And I think the way he phrased it was, well, I went over the two hour mark, so I can't return it. Mm. You know, <laughs> he's, been, um, he's been like fighting to get it to run right and not crash. I want to say, well, there are some it's it's a little buggy. Um, I've had a couple crashes, but I've heard that it's actually really bad in VR where there are like a couple weird elements of how they're trying to make the system cope elegantly where mm-hmm. your computer system might not 100% do it right. And so like there's issues where it's rendering the skybox wrong. So that's oh, wow. affecting frame rate, but also it's like blurry or you get double vision on the stars and that makes you dizzy or oh, like geez. I've read so many weird like issues from different people that um, there's, there's something that they're working on. They'll patch it. They'll try yeah. to fix it, whatever. Um, personally, I've been having a blast. I, I literally just feel at home in a tie bomber. Um, I've been nice. getting like, you know, I, I rank top on a lot of these games and it's like, I don't do that in any game. And it was funny cause I, I did play a couple rounds with Joe and I think like, like, <laughs> you, you know how he's really good at, uh, at rainbow six siege. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is my rainbow six siege. Oh, nice. Where, like, he's lost, and he doesn't know how to lock on, and he's asking me questions and stuff, and I look at the scoreboard, and it's like, I'm on the top, and he's only number two. And it's like, ha now I get to be Joe. <laughs> um, my my brother was over, and it's like, oh, oh, you, you, gotta, you gotta check this out, you gotta watch this game. Because I got the controller set up, like, I got my flight stick and a throttle pad, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I sit him down, and he's, and he's all excited because he loves Star Wars. Um, so he, like, he got into the practice range and flew around a bit. He's like, okay, that's cool. So I put him in a game and he had trouble, like, getting a kill. And he's, like, flying around. He's like, wow, this is amazing. But he's also, like, not competing in the game, which is weird because he's good at games. So I don't right. know what the deal with that was. Um, and he's, like, still kind of getting used to controls. It's not all intuitive. And so then, like, he wanted to see me do a run. Uh, so I sit down and then like, <laughs> like I, I think he was expecting me to show him how to lock on once. Like I kind of want to just do one life and then give it back to him. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting like a 12 kill streak. Nice. Where I am like, I'm like drifting around space wreckage and like I'm about to hit a meteor, but I actually hit the booster. I go forward and I, I left all the mines so the A wing chasing me blows up and crashes into the meteors as I'm skirting around the other side and like locking onto three targets and I drop a bunch of bombs and... And he kept saying, wow. Like, while I was playing the game, he was like, oh, wow. Oh, what? Like, he didn't realize what the game was. Sure. Um, until I demonstrated it. And it's like, okay, I, I haven't felt this way in a long while where I pick up a game and I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I <laughs> I did that recently. Richard got that Mario collection. And so he told oh, yeah. me, like, hey, come over and, and beat Mario 64 for me. Because he just wants to see the game. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. And so like on Saturday, I went over and went from zero to uh, 72 stars and beat Bowser and saved the princess in like one sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized like, man, why why do I know this game inside out to like to do this? <laughs> sure. But yeah, I, I really like Star Wars Squadrons. It's a weird niche thing that isn't for everyone. I, I I honestly I don't even remark, I don't recommend it to people. I think if you want it, you already know. Sure. I I hope he gets it to work because obviously he spent money on it, but just like it 
it conceptually it's such a good idea. It's just like why is why are there bugs? Why is it just not perfect? It's a fucking Star Wars game. But that's his own conversation. That's its which own we don't conversation. Need to have. Yeah. Um, I would love to talk about Star Wars again soon. We could probably do that. I'd have to like did, I don't know watch some or something. Did you watch the Mandalorian? No, my mom did get drunk the other day and get Disney Plus though. So maybe if you watch the Mandalorian, I'm. I'm curious what your take on that is. I'm, I'm not even sure if you'd enjoy it or not. I'm just curious. You described it to me as like Mad Max, but with like a bounty hunter. Did I? Like the, the main character, someone did. Like like the main character doesn't talk a lot, but he's basically moving from situation to situation. No. And he just gets wrapped I, up in shit. I compared it to Samurai Jack. But also honestly, good. that's kind of the same thing. Yeah, like, no, I, I fucking dig that. That sounds fun. Um... Okay, well, maybe if you give that a try, let me know if you want to talk about that. Okay. Um, I like to talk about Star Wars. I like to talk about Star Wars with lots of people that aren't Jean-Luc. <laughs> Why? I, I don't know. He's been he's been reading my short story collection, and he gave me some really good feedback today. So, like, good job, Jean-Luc. I can't wait to, like, rewrite a couple things and, and actually make them better. Like, you solved the problem. Also, he, talking about Star Wars is annoying with him sometimes. Did you? He did. did. He, no, that's like that's legit. Did he tell you that you need to add Jedi? No. Is that the feedback that solves your problem? No. Okay. Well, this I is needed fun. to add Jedediah. Make a uh, Amish. <clears throat> Good night, everybody. <laughs> and and remember the the real clown is the your heart. <laughs>